We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. This is episode nine of our Ted Lasso season two rewatch. And as always, I am joined by my co-host from For the Win, where they are doing lots of content. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for remembering the content. <laughs> is, is the content still there? So, yeah, we still have the content. All day, every day. If you love content and you love sports, visit For The Win. Well, speaking of For The Win, Alex, we have a a special guest in the house from Bet For The Win. It is Caroline Darney. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us on Big Screen Sports. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. And much like For The Win, Bet For The Win has a bunch of content, um, which you should go read. And yeah, enjoy. It's going to be nice. It's all the content you would ever need in both places. (laughs) That's that's fantastic news. I think I think as a team, you guys have done a great job promoting all the great great content you have going on for the win. Thanks so much. Content. Where where can everyone check out that content? Uh, uh, so you, whoa, yeah, either bet bet for the win or for the win. Um, well, so if, like for for the win, just ftw.usaday.com. But for bet for the win, just backslash bet, and we also feature their content on the main site as well. But that. You'll get there. <laughs> Click appropriately, team. you'll find it. I so Caroline, I don't know how many of these episodes you've listened to. I'm the worst at promoting everything. <laughs> I'm just like, there's a there's like a podcast or a website that I do. So, and, so, and you always have to get nudged, which is my favorite part, because I do listen, because let's be honest, it's well, good. It's great. So the I like the and tell us about what you got. Come on, Alex, I'm supposed <laughs> to remind you to tell me the things that you're doing right now so that you can tell the people. I know. Well, and if you folks go to Google.com and type in the words for the win, you'll probably find it. Yeah. 
that generally so will work too. Yeah. That's the, that's the that fail will. safe. If you can't run the website and somewhere else, <laughs> if you like this podcast that you need to go is patreon.com slash big screen sports. It's where you can support this show. Shout out two new patrons, Mike D and Ryan, Nigel Yeager. Uh, Ryan is a, a day one guy, Mike D a real stand-up dude, really happy to have them on board. They are producer-level patrons, along with Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, and Kevin Frost. If you go to patreon.com slash sports, you can support this show. You can get episode notes. You can vote on movies and patrons' choice topics covered by the podcast. The vote is out now for the October movie. It's looking like it's going to be Love and Basketball. It would take a lot of an influx of patrons who hate Love and Basketball to make that one go away, but... <laughs> By all means, if, if you hate love and basketball and don't want to cover it on this podcast, join the Patreon, vote against it. Uh, and you also get stickers. Uh, I, need to, I need to get to the, the post office, but uh, those, those stickers are going out soon. Big thanks to everyone who has supported this show. And uh, let's, let's dive into Ted Lasso. Before we get into today's episode, we are, for the first time ever on the show, talking about the Emmy Award-winning Ted Lasso. I think uh, I think all three of us were were firing out the tweets during the <laughs> Emmys. Great! Yes. It was like it was like seeing the family all together. We're getting a Hannah Waddingham win and a Brett Goldstein win and a Jason Sudeikis win and the show wins and also Gene Smart wins for Hacks. It's just a great, great, great night. <laughs> Caroline, your your reaction to the the Emmy Award winning Ted Lasso? Your your experience watching the Emmys? In true me watching Ted Lasso related things, I definitely cried. I texted Alex and was like, <laughs> I have legitimate, like I was laying in bed watching my phone. I had like a school weekend for grad school. Um, I'd gotten home and I was legit ready to go to bed at eight o'clock. I was exhausted. I was like, I got a new week of work coming up, all this stuff. And then I forgot completely that they were on. So I was kind of watching it on my phone and I ended up watching all whatever four hours of it because at a certain point I was like, oh, well, I made it this far. I have to see if Ted Lasso wins um, for best comedy. And so I sat there and when it was just something like, and this is the cheesiest way to start my <laughs> appearance <laughs> on the show, but it was something about how much joy the show has brought me that to see that rewarded for the people that put in the hard work really was special and then again I know how cheesy that sounds I don't know them they're not my friends like Jason Sudeikis liked three of my tweets once so now I can <laughs> say an Emmy award winner right like I feel like we're age. basically best friends like <laughs> I will expect a Christmas card Jason if you're listening but it just was this weird thing where I was just like these people that have made my life better in one of the or two you know year and a half of the toughest years of my life with all this stuff going on got to be rewarded for their performance in that it just it I don't know it just made me so happy and I just love Roy Kent so much like it's just every single week I, I just loved it I loved it and it was just really fun to see and I also really enjoyed that Hannah Waddingham had super holy crap I'm just having a great time vibes like seeing her standing ovation for the Schitt's Creek crew was like, yeah, that's relatable. Cause I would also be losing my mind at Dan Levy standing there. Like, true. this is great. I loved it. I loved it all. It was awesome. Alex, did you catch Brett Goldstein's uncut speech that I was did. going around on Twitter? I did. It was wonderful. And like, you know how we've talked before about like, even though he plays Roy so well that it's not really what he's like in real life. Like if you listen to his um, films to be buried with podcast, which I love, we've talked about it many times. He's very soft-spoken and very like thoughtful and considerate. And of course, 
I don't expect actors to be like their characters. It's just such a contrast. And so I didn't expect him to actually have like a filthy mouth too. And so when I watched that, I was like, he is one of us. Like he gets it. It was beautiful. I loved it. I love that Hannah, when she got up there, she said, Jesus Christ on a bike. <laughs> I was like, That's so charming. She's just so charming. And she, what really got me, I didn't cry until she thanked Jason and said, thank you for changing my life and my baby girls. And I was done. Oh. I was done. Just the way, the way that they, that he was looking up with such admiration. Oh my God, you guys, I can't. They also, they all looked fabulous. They all looked great. Jason's suit. My like, God. Like the velvet. Oh, did he? Oh, that makes sense. Well, that, not that, that, that exact suit, but if you look up Chris Evans Oscars, I think he wore the Oscars like a few years ago, basically the same suit and it looked great on both of them. Yeah. I'm Amazing. not surprised. I have never had an award show experience that was like, because you know how you like, you watch the Oscars, you watch the Emmys or something. And you're like, you're really pulling for like a lot of the stuff that you've watched, but you're kind of like, oh, I've watched some of this, but like Ted Lasso, obviously doing a podcast on it. Hacks. Wonderful. Gene Smart win. Let's go. Mayor of Easttown, Kate Winslet, Julianne Nicholson, and the series wins. The Queen's Gambit wins best miniseries. Like it was literally like, I've, I've never felt more like I'm dialed into what's good now. So it was a very rewarding. If we're, if we're making this all about me, it was a very rewarding <laughs> Emmy. No, like, Kyle, you have great taste. No. So I'm, I'm like a big, huge fan of the crown. And I always tell people like I was, but I was also a history major in school and I specialize in British history. So to me, like, it's just a history nerd thing. And I I'm, I'm that brat who loves watching a show and being like, well, that's not accurate, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> and so for me, like the crown is my show. So I texted my mom when the show ended and I was like, Ted Lasso won best comedy and the crown won best drama. I have taste because <laughs> she won't watch either of them. And I'm just like, I just want you to know, I know what I'm talking about. I haven't been avoiding the crown, but like, I definitely, it's on the list. And Alex knows I again, texted her and was like, or I think I tweeted, it's like, I guess I should watch the crown. And I've always like wanted to and to my mom loves it. And, but I am a huge, huge X-Files fan. So I was full on Jillian Anderson or bust, like just legit. Don't care. Get Scully her Emmy. Like I was just very like, and when she, when she won, I was super stoked about that. And I will admit the one thing that does, I have not watched Hacks in both Alex and I think Alex, you watched, you said you liked it. And I Nicole Auerbach. Yeah, yeah. Nicole Auerbach, who's a friend of ours, really likes it. Um, but the, them, I really wanted make um, Rebecca great again was, I know that it's tough to pick a favorite episode of Ted Lasso, but I, that, that is my favorite episode. And I it just, the way that it, tackles so many things and the dealing with his anxiety and the panic attack and the game itself. And Nate obviously has this great moment in the locker room and just every single bit of it. It's so funny and clever. It's everything that I love about Ted Lasso and this little like perfect. And I mean, almost every episode is like that, but it's just that one to me. Oh, and maybe it's the karaoke scene. Like, I don't know. It's all of it together. And so I was devastated <laughs> that it didn't win no. because I just, to me, it's like a, there's no way that they've made an episode of television in the last year in, t- in 2020 that is better than make Rebecca great again. So it almost made me be like, never watching you hacks. How good can you be? So that's how spiteful I get when my shows don't win. So I don't know what that says. 
I, I very much enjoyed Hacks. You should give Hacks a okay, shot. Okay, fine. Gene Smart fine. is a, we'll Smart is a queen. <laughs> she, she would be wonderful in on Ted Lasso in some former form or fashion. But she is so she's, great. She's yeah. she's awesome. She was great in Mare too. But yes. So let, oh, let's get into Mare was God. Mare was Evan Peters. Hey, justice for Evan Peters. Yes, Evan Peters wins too. God, I know. I was so excited. What a that was the one Marvel me. win of the night. <laughs> like, <laughs> Marvel got a win, sort of. Whatever. I'm what not a counts. What it a counts. great night for me and me alone. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Ted Lasso season two, episode nine, Beard After Hours. After the semifinal defeat, Beard sets out on an all-night odyssey through London in order to collect his thoughts. Now, Alex, you tweeted out about this episode and how people should kind of watch it in context, and that Apple wanted two more episodes, two extra episodes in this season after it had already been written in, like, God bless them, because we all needed two extra Ted <laughs> yes. Lasso episodes. But this is kind of like Christmas is a bottle episode. And whereas Christmas touched on a lot of different things, this really just dives into beard. So when you watched it with that context, what was your experience like? I mean, I think knowing that going in was probably helpful. I was trying to like imagine a lot of people who didn't know that you know, I think as we go on episode by episode, and especially when you consider so many fans binged the first season because they didn't watch it, you know, as it came out. And so now they're having to wait a week and there's a lot of impatience there. <laughs> and so, I mean, truly that they want so many like loose ends tied up. And I get that. Like everybody's a little impatient about that. I think it was very smart of the writers on the show because they had already had the second season written when Apple said we're adding two episodes. They could have gone back in and just stretched it out and reworked some of the episodes. So we had like a storyline lasting longer than it needed to. I really loved the bottle episodes because they didn't mess with what they already did. They just added some bonuses in there. And I know some people just don't like that and that's fine, but we actually get a lot of character development with beard and we actually get, I think a lot of understanding of how he feels about himself, how he handles his relationships. There's a lot of symbolism in there about what's going on in his head at any, any given time. We don't even know his name. This is like a character we love and we don't know his name. Oh my God. So, I don't think I had ever thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's was, just beard. Yeah. He's just beard. So it's like, this was a good way of getting what we all say. I mean, that's the thing. We all say all the time. Oh, I just want to see more about beard. Well, you got it. So <laughs> don't be mad about it because you got what you wanted. Caroline, when you saw this one, what, when you this dive into the mind of Beard, what were your thoughts? Um, I will be very honest. When I first watched it, I was kind of bummed out that my episode for the podcast wasn't... Because if you go back to episode eight, the stuff that we learned and dealt with and the emotions and the excitement, like everything that happened in that episode that... You know, and I'm that person that I, I do all right with like waiting week to week. I watch 911. Like I know how dramas work. <laughs> but, but, but you know, I've like I understand. TV shows. Not a good I've night seen... for 911 at the Emmys. Yeah, no, no, no not great. Love. Completely snubbed. Snubbed. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like I look at it and you know, I'll, I'll go back to X Files. Like I'm used to watching. Like you have, I understand how TV works. This is great. Um, but it was that moment of like, oh man, I'm going to get this episode to like, it's all this stuff we're going to be able to talk about. And then I was like, where was Roy? Where was, you know, Ted Lasso? Where was Nate? Like all of these storylines that they have in development. And when I went back and then was kind of processing it and thought about the episode and then rewatched it, I really liked the episode because it's, it says, and it does so much 
like you said, for a character that we don't know a lot about, I, I have to assume that this is the most he's spoken in probably every episode combined to this point. Um, and it just gives you a glimpse into a very quiet and reserved, but I think inarguably brilliant um, my, at least the way that I just love Beard and he's so fascinating, but also to me um, in sports, it opened up a lot of things that I've thought about or dealt with and, and just kind of how sports plays a part of your life, um, especially when you consider how like Baz, Jeremy and Paul play into the whole episode, especially when contrasted with um, Papa Tart, who... I have words for later, but uh, yeah, it just, there was so much of that that was, I think it's honestly so beautiful and kind of poetic and sad and deeper than I originally thought it was, I was kind of a beautiful episode. I think I liked it a lot more on rewatch. Yeah. Um, I, I should have, I should have expected what it was, but I kind of, I got carried away with the picture they use as the still and the name beard after hours. And I was just like, bottle episode it's gonna be zany it's gonna be weird it's gonna (laughs) gonna be be fun yeah it's gonna be like beard super bad and that's it has some of those elements in it like that's a genre of movie i'm a huge fan of like you know super bad and you know dazed and confused those movies that happens and happen in one night and you're just kind of like partying around and and things are getting weird but it's it's a much more introspective look at this guy and you know we we kind of knew there was something going on at the end of episode eight it's it's kind of a weird you know, buy he has with Ted when he's going out to blow off some steam, but it it's definitely upon rewatch. I think you can, you can get a little more out of it. Um, and I, I know I appreciated it more and it, it is a really, it, it's a really interesting thing that they decided to do with these bottle episodes. Like, you know, kind of like Alex was saying, instead of stretching out some plot points or something, they, they really, they really decided like, let's do something unique with this. Let's not just have a a random, you know, some random one-offs. Let's really make these count. And again, like this show, everything is absolutely intentional. And so I I think there's going to be stuff from, even though it's this singularity, the singular bottle episode, I think there's definitely going to be some stuff that comes out of this or gets unpacked in some way. I wonder if we are going to see the big ass dude who looks like Brett Goldstein in a muscle suit. I wonder if we, with the, with the <laughs> yes. gravel voice, I wonder if we're going to wonder if we're going to see oh, him God, again. I, hope so. I, I know hopefully maybe him and him and pants lady and their, their unborn ch- or their, their child come to an AFC Richmond game or something. Well, but. I, what I didn't know either. And I haven't seen this movie, but it was directly an homage to a 1985 movie after hours that Scorsese directed. That was basically, the same this guy goes on this crazy journey trying to meet up with the woman he loves and all these crazy things happen to him and it just I think speaks to what you said like nothing is unintentional like it's very you know they decide to go with this vibe and tell a story that you didn't necessarily you weren't necessarily going to get with this bottle episode obviously being added but is something that I think makes his character so much more robust and understandable and relatable it's just uh, Mm -hmm. yeah I loved it Mm -hmm. and one of the things with this episode that we're we had a couple episodes ago where the relationship of Beard and Jane was addressed. And I don't think we had a single character, at least of of our, you know, our main cast and especially Higgins who seemed like they thought this was a good idea. It seems like this couple is something that is still going to be going on. And they're, you know, it's, I, (laughs) 
I thought of like wedding crashers, you know, when when Vince Vaughn is talking to the priest and he's like, you know, maybe I'm a little fucking crazy too. Like maybe maybe Beard's a little fucking crazy too. Like we've been we've been, you know, harping on Jane, you know, maybe Jane's a little too much, or Higgins says, you know, does you're a great man, does she make you greater? But like maybe Beard needs us in his life too. I don't know, Alex. We, you know, we've seen Beard and Jane are potentially this this toxic couple, but is this a couple that can work? Do they actually, you know, need each other? Because when Beard gets his phone back and he has seventy three texts and a bunch of missed calls, it's like, oh, that that usually that's usually not a recipe for like this is healthy. Yeah, and I I want to be clear, like, yeah, all those texts and calls is a red flag, <laughs> but it's not for the re- it's not about just being clingy or whatever. It's the fact that he only becomes interesting to her on her terms you know? And so the thing, it's not really even so for me, it's not about whether they're going to work. He says twice in the episode. So first when he's in, um, what's her name? Mary, the pants lady. I think it's Mary pants lady. lady. Yeah. Pants lady. (laughs) He says, you know, maybe it's chemicals or pheromones. I just want to be with her all the time. Is that love or is there, or do I have a problem? And so he's like, he's aware this is dysfunctional. He's aware every time he says we broke up or we got back together that something's not right. And then later when he's in the church, that's really a club, but first when he <laughs> thinks it's a church, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he says something like, I know she's not going to cure what ails me. Like that's so, he knows, he knows it's not good, but for whatever reason, he can't stay away. Or maybe just being with her is better than being alone or something. I mean, clearly to me, like the way I consumed this episode was as not that it was entirely symbolic or abstract. I just think it's like a journey inside his mind. Yeah. I think we're following him for a night, but just like the keys that keep coming up, how the key doesn't quite fit. It'll work sometimes in a pinch, but ultimately it's not strong enough to get him in the door every time. And I think that's a direct correlation to Jane. Like she's not ideal. And she probably doesn't make him a better man, but obviously there's something about her that he can't let go of. And that's a very human thing. And it's easy for us to look at it and say, oh my God, it's so toxic. <laughs> like you got to get away. All right. Well, raise your hand if you haven't been in one of those relationships before, because I don't think anyone listening to this can do that. So yeah. very human. And, Car- and Caroline, this isn't, it's not just the Beard and Jane show. It's It's not the only thing that we're diving in. We're we're looking at the guy who we've seen as silent and and pretty much consistently supporting Ted, really questioning his role in things, questioning his own, you know, should he take more initiative? He's got Terry on re really talking shit <laughs> yes. to him the whole episode. So, you know, it's the <laughs> first that. time that we've seen the first time that we've really seen Beard second guess himself. We've seen him yeah. the the few times where he second guesses Ted and you know, in private. He doesn't do it in public, but it's it's like, hey, you know, winning matters and stuff like that. But it yeah. seems like he it seems like I never thought of Beard as a guy with a lot of insecurities. He seemed one of the characters who was very confident in who he was and and um and having a good grasp on things, but this this brought down a wall that I didn't realize was there. Yeah, and it was fascinating because it did that while also showing the confidence side. Like you don't talk your way into, you know, whatever the honey like the private club is without having that in in this the entire scene inside the club was one of my favorites as well because 
you know, they ask him, you know, one of the guys, I can never tell Baz and Jeremy apart, but one of them asked him like, <laughs> how did you know all that stuff about Oxford? And he's like, oh, I used to date a professor at Oxford and I listen more than I talk. And, it, and it's that, you know, that to me was almost a throwback to the first episode, like the premiere, um, the show premiere, not just season two, but where he was on the book, re- like he's always absorbing information. So it was just like this, seeing him the way that he processes information but knowing now that medium using the post-game commentary as a way for him to show like the, the way to show his insecurities of stuff that he's clearly thinking about like did he not speak up enough about the game plan why did he let the other three coaches talk him out of this like you left even you know it's different ways that it's the barkeep saying like you left zero zero all by himself you know, defend for himself so having it come from all these different places and but specifically Thierry Henry being the voice of exactly what his own insecurities were um was so smart and funny and showed such a way that and you're right it, it showed a part of him that I don't think I knew that was there or would have guessed was there and yet it let him go on this journey and I don't know if that same guy is the one that's doing hula hooping at the church club like and also never thought I'd say that sentence if we're going to be honest like <laughs> just like I, I tweeted about Iman Shumpert doing the jive last night to hey and I'm like these are never words that I thought I'd put in <laughs> conjunction but so I'm not a like a big dancer I don't he was good right Iman he Shumpert, did it like, like he looked great right yeah he, he was great he was I confident mean, so, <laughs> yeah, it, look as a technical ballroom judge myself, that's not true. Um, I As enjoyed it. Who watches Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> and not even that frequently. It was mostly like Cody Rigsby's going to be on it. Um, Suni Lee is on it. She was fantastic, though. I knew that. I knew that her stuff was good. But yeah, I like. Before I we it, go to uh, before we go to ad break, who would be the best Ted Lasso character on Dancing with the Stars? I say Keely. Roy. Oh, oh, I mean Keely would win. Yeah. I think Rebecca would would look fabulous oh. start to finish. Can you imagine her doing a tango frame? Also, words I know now. Why? <laughs> Takes up space. But just, you know, like she would she would look fantastic out there. It's true. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with our best scenes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. And uh, Caroline, as you are, you are the guest for tonight. Uh, what was your best scene in this one? What was your favorite? Either what you think was the best, what you think was your favorite, up to up to your interpretation. 
this is going to sound weird since Beard isn't really in it, <laughs> um, but he facilitated it. And I think this, I kind of alluded to it earlier in the beginning part, but the, um, when he pulled the strings to get them on the field at Richmond, um, really like, I, I thought it was going to make it through an episode without crying. Silly silly me stupid naive clown <laughs> this many episodes in um and it wasn't just like it was that moment that shows just how what sports can play in someone's life or what fandom and feeling part of that community that family to those three guys who probably hours before were saying every swear word in the book. We're so excited about this Cinderella opportunity to beat Man City at Wembley, this huge game. The excitement and the immediate, like, just soul crushing horribleness. <laughs> like, we've all been there. We've all seen those games. Like, I'm a Virginia fan. We lost to UMBC. Like, come on. <laughs> you were like, yeah, we're going to win the national champion. What happened? 20 point loss. Um, and so it's, it's that like, but to them, they got to spend time and actually talk to this coach as a human, have that night with him. And that was his way of repaying something that's so simple. He's out there every single day. He's out there, you know, every week, that's his job. He knows it, but knowing how important that was to those three guys and like what the, that, gesture meant and then especially when you look at the impetus of the fight in the locker room the episode before that led to the alley brawl or just ass kicking really by <laughs> papa tart who can catch these hands um <laughs> god i hate him so much like that poor guy who plays him like i just hate you now i'm sorry like it's just kind of a side effect it's like the guy that played john walker and falcon and winter soldier i'm like i'm sure you're great but now i just hate you i'm sorry um he's at rupert levels now papa tart yeah yeah i mean yeah. what an asshole like and that was like he wanted to get on the pitch right and so you have the juxtaposition of the three guys that wanted to get on the pitch and thought they deserved to be there because of connections that they thought they had or had with Jamie or whatever to the three guys who earned it and had that opportunity that the joy and the excitement and I think those three actors played it so well and I think that Beard being an integral part to both of those things not happening and happening is what made it um, such a special moment for me and why I loved that scene and cried immediately. And Alex, you're the world's most, most foremost Ted Lasso scribe. <laughs> Have we seen those three guys at an actual AFC Richmond game or do they watch all the games from Maze? Like I, I was kind of thinking oh, that's about a great that question. and I'm like, I'm not sure we've actually ever seen them at the pitch. Now maybe it's just away games. We've seen them watching at the, the pub, but I get the gist that like, maybe they're the guys who can't grab the tickets to go. Um, that, oh, yeah. Okay. So you just touched on what I was going to say. Thank you. Great segue. So, cause I've, I've written about that this. Wavelength. I've written about this a lot. You know, there's a joke that I'm not a fan of down in Alabama and they say it about a lot of schools down here, but it's like, it's called the 85% club. It's like 85% of their fans are sidewalk fans. Like you're an Alabama fan because you went to Walmart. I'm an Alabama fan because I went there and I I've always hated that mentality that you had to attend the school to be a fan. Like it really bothers me. I mean, I came from a family, like my parents didn't get to go to college. My dad was the biggest Ole Miss fan in the world. He never had the opportunity to go. And so it always just really like stuck with me when someone would say sidewalk fan. Cause I'm like, 
that's just such bullshit, you know? So every time I see them in the pub, I always think about that because so many fans that I know, especially in the SEC, they're not at the game. They're watching it from bars or at their houses or something. And the whole point of this is they identify by this team. It makes them feel like they're part of something, no matter where they're watching it from. And that's why that scene really got to me is because I haven't seen them in any games. You do get the sense that like, they can't afford to be there for whatever reason, they can't be active and they suddenly got to be part of something. And I think that's such a big deal. And sports are such a big part of our identity um, that it's just very touching. It's more than just these guys who like a game and who like a team, this is part of their lives. And so they got to do something that few people have ever gotten to do and they enjoyed every minute of it. And I loved it. It's wonderful. And they flex that, that Apple music budget with getting, we are the champions for that. They, I love they it. Those, I'm telling you the music was so good. This episode, so I think it's always great, but there was multiple times that I just kept writing down. Like music is so good. Yeah. Excellent. The needle drops in this season have, yeah. have cost a little bit more money. Yeah. Uh, and that's you, fine. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Totally, totally fine with it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's easily the most beautiful scene in the episode. You get a feel the dreams reference, which is great. Is this heaven? Yes. No, it's Nelson road. But yeah. I mean, again, yeah. As someone who, you know, I've, I root for a college football team of a school that I did not go to. And I've loved since I was, I think I was loved since I was nine years old. Uh, Caroline, when I was nine, I was living in Richmond, Virginia, and there was a guy named Michael Vick and he just, Oh no, he just took over my heart. Oh I no! Have, I have loved oh, the Virginia no. Tech Hokies like, ever since. Hang, this is like you just hang up the <laughs> and Caroline. Caroline has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we lost her. I don't know where but, she. <laughs> but I I look at this. So there's a there's a scene in the. I'm also a Minnesota Twins fan. There's a scene in the movie Little Big League, which is a lot better than all of you remember, and uh, <laughs> where the kids are getting to play. Billy Haywood and his friends are getting to like play play catch and play baseball at the Metrodome, like just them. And that yeah. was this for me. It's 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 beautiful. It's it, I mean, in an episode with a lot of inner turmoil from Beard, and you know, it's it's very negative. A lot of it. Yeah. It, it was just it was just joy personified. It was beautiful. Like in in one corner, we have Beard having this this night of real introspection and real uncertainty, and just surrounded by negativity, gets gets his ass beat. On the other hand, these guys have the best night of their lives. They yes. they win a bunch of money from these snobby Oxford guys. They get to hang out with their, you know, the coach of their favorite team that gets run out on Nelson Road. This is the night that these guys are talking about for the next 40 years of their lives. And I love that parallel in this episode. Yeah. And I love that he did it while having like it is so easy for Beard to not have done that. Yeah. Like there was not a single thing. And like, and honestly, if I remember everything correctly in order and stuff, like they had gotten separated by this point. And this was like, mm-hmm. that was coordinated. It just, I, it was something that did not have to happen. And the fact that it did just speaks more to who Beard is like the stuff that he knew that would make such an impact on them. Um, and I do also just want to shout out Paul with the, when they said that Cher got turned away from the, <laughs> And he goes, would you believe they did the thing to share? And I just like have been singing that around my house for like whatever a week now, four days. It's only been like four days, but would you believe? I just love it. It's just, he's great. And like, that's the thing. Those three have always had like these great lines. Like, oh man, it's just so fantastic. And the way that immediately when they were like, you know, okay, yeah, you can, we can hang out as long as we're drinking beer and you're not asking me about not like about football. And they were like, what's Ted like? Which is usually the first kind of question that you get. Cause it's just like, 
fans don't know like or don't think that the coaches are the like real people (laughs) yeah he's like yeah he's a normal guy yeah i've been to vegas and then goes on that multiple beer rant like ramble about like although time is finite (laughs) or whatever what i thought was interesting about that was how he said ted is a man just a man and it was very like intentional you could tell that wasn't just like a throwaway line and i think it's very telling given everything we've seen this season Mm -hmm. alex what was the best scene of this one for you I'm not saying it's like the best in terms of me agreeing with it or anything, but I just, the club scene at the end was so beautiful. And again, and I was actually talking to a friend about this right before we got on. It's amazing how bars and clubs can kind of mask your real feelings about someone. (laughs) Like you'll know it's bad, but you're like, well, I'm at a bar. Let me have a drink. You know, everybody becomes a little more attractive. Everything's a little more palatable when you're in that kind of setting. So I think just being able to relate to that anyway, I loved it. But, you know, the fact that he goes to what he thinks is a church and he like presumably a non-believer um, just based on what we know about him. He hasn't said that, has he? I don't think so. He is not, but okay. he, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely given off those vibes. He gives off those <laughs> vibes, right? The fact that like, he's, I don't want to use the word desperate because it has a connotation of just somebody being, like pitiful. And maybe that is the word. I don't know. But the fact that he's like talking to God about Jane, it just shows you like, he's looking for anything to show him it's right when he knows it's wrong. And he's telling strangers about her because he needs something to tell him like, it's okay to feel this way and maybe it'll work out. And then he realizes like, it's actually a club. <laughs> and like He goes up to see her and the hula hoop, which I read something, someone said that, which I just don't think like this, but it's smart. Somebody said the hula hoop kind of represents like the way the relationship goes. It's just all circular and they never really get anywhere. But I love when like Brendan Hunt has any opportunity where he can kind of cut loose and let go. I think that's when he's at his best. So I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm also very in on that club. I am not one who enjoys clubs or loud music or lots of people, but that was right in the it was right in the sweet spot. That song is a heater. Love and there the was song. enough people there where you're not going to stand out if you're dancing like an idiot, but it wasn't <laughs> overcrowded where like you can see all exits. There's not too many people there. Like it was very much right in the sweet spot. If any, we actually, Alex, we have three British listeners now. We were, we were sent a message what? by another British listener. If a British listener knows where that place is, I would like to know <laughs> because if I ever do make it to the UK, I would, I would like to attend. Uh, I, There's I space for hula hooping, so it can't be that crowded. You know what I mean? Like it's perfect. Exactly. Loud, but not crowded. That is, Mm -hmm. that is very, but not too, like not too sparse either. Cause that's Mm -hmm. a weird vibe too. If it's loud and there's not a lot of people there, that's uncomfortable. So I'm very, very in on that. Um, (laughs) I just need to shout out a couple scenes. Um, the you, we we talked about when Beard and, and the super fans talk. I love Beard getting in good with the guys from Oxford. Like love a scene yes. where people fake their way into the group. Like it's yeah. very much like that old let's go see Sergio commercial from like 15, 20 years ago. It's like that personified. Uh that it's a deep cut for anyone who watched a lot of TV in like the early two thousands. Um <laughs> It just it's I, I really I really love that how Beard fakes his way into that. Love the love them getting the limo. These guys deserve 
getting that limo. Absolutely, absolutely love it. And then the the fight with Papa Tart. I don't love that. I love him getting him getting saved by the Hulk. That guy yes. is the the thing about that fight that is interesting that I kind of want to dive into is that it could have been over and Beard has this moment of self-loathing where it's like, no, whip my ass a little more. He um, wanted to be it, punished. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's that was the the that was the biggest thing to unpack from this episode is like how how mad Beard was at himself and like maybe is he is it is this a culmination of things of how he's been feeling this entire season or is he taking one loss really hard and it's interesting because it was already kind of like a Cinderella story that they were there but he's really punishing himself for this yeah. loss. I wonder too like cuz I thought <laughs> I was like I don't know. Just from what we've seen from Beard, I feel like he'd be a super scrappy fighter. So it definitely was this, I, I've i earned this or I deserve this kind of vibes in that fight because I don't think that, like, I do I think he could have taken all three of them? I mean, probably not. But I feel like he could have gotten some good licks in. Like, he'll get, It was like, also not those dudes' first fight. No, exactly. That's, fight that that's very true. That, that was, like, honestly, more vibes of those three were going to fight somebody that night. It just so happened that they found Beard and that they had already some pent up anger and it was a chance to ridicule. Because, look, if you had me for episode eight, I don't know, like the fury that I felt when he showed up in the Man City jersey, like I wanted to flip a table over. So, like, I was already in you can catch these hands territory. So when he showed up again, <laughs> I was like, I'm at, I cannot with this man. Um and I just, it was a very Ted Lasso way to have the Hulk, the strong, strong Roy show up and basically be like, hey, I talked to Pants Lady and she explained everything that happened. And I'm really sorry about the, you know, misunderstanding we had him here to help. Like, I just loved that that was the way that it kind of like shook itself out. And uh, the pants also were fabulous. I don't think we've talked about the pants, but and he wore them to yeah. the uh, after party the at the Emmys. Party, he did. He true. did. That guy, uh, that guy's voice sounds like he eats like a pack of cigarettes for breakfast. <laughs> he <just laughs> chases it down with some glass. Like, just. So I think something to keep in mind too, he took the loss hard yet, or yes, he did. But there were multiple clues in the episode where it was clear, like he doesn't like himself very much, period. That loss wasn't, it was just the catalyst for him to kind of go down a road of he doesn't really like himself. It reminds me of that line that Paul Rudd has in perks of being a wallflower. You accept the love you think you deserve. Yeah. And I think that's true for both actual romantic love with Jane, but I also think it's true for just forming relationships with people. And, you know, I mean, even though it wasn't a full look into his psyche, we had more than enough clues to say like, he really does not like himself. And we've spent this season digging into the psyche of every character. Almost we're talking about therapy and we're looking at Nate, who's having this very weird reaction, not weird, but very harsh reaction to suddenly having some power after being bullied his whole life. And Beard's the only one who's been kind of untouched because we can't get close enough to him to see what the issues are. And I think that's his issue. He just doesn't like himself very much. And so it was sad to watch that fight scene because he could have fought back a little more. And it's like, he had just accepted it. He was done. It was very yeah. sad. Yeah. Would have been nice to see uh, Hulk Roy beat the shit out of, <laughs> out of Mr. Tart. But uh, Alex, what was your favorite under the radar joke in this one? This one wasn't like among the funnier Ted Lasso. It didn't, it didn't try a lot for these. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, there was something with when he tries to get into the club and he's talking to the woman <laughs> and he, what was it? It's like some, it was such a stupid joke. He it was, was like, she asked his name. Are you talking about yes. she's like, what's your name? And he's like, that's none of my business. Yeah, that's what he says. He's like, that's none of my business. <laughs> I just, I was like, it was very subversive, you know, obviously. And I think like the writing was smart, but it wasn't as like one linery. It wasn't as jabby, you know? And so, and it, I mean, of course, when we get the last scene and we go back to the diamond dogs and like, well, I guess Higgins wasn't there, but almost the diamond dogs. Um, and classic Ted, let's watch the game to the Benny Hill music. It's like, <laughs> all right, we're back where we, where we were, but I don't, yeah, this just, it was obviously a different type of episode. So I think just, you know, it's a Brett Goldstein episode and he loves films and it's very evident the way he wrote this. It's seriously like, I can imagine like Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence and Brendan Hunt being told by Apple, you've got to have two extra episodes. And they're like, what the fuck? And they go back to the writer's room like, all right, we got to do two. And someone's like Christmas and like, cool. And it's like, what else? And Brett's like, I love Martin Scorsese. Can I please, <laughs> got can I please do an homage to after hours? Because that's totally something he would do. And yeah. it's brilliant. When he also gets in some Ed Norton references, because he has the Thierry Henry yeah. the, and the guy that yeah. the, the Ed Norton movie where he curb stomps, curb stomps the guy. He's like, what is that? Moonrise Kingdom? <laughs> Which <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely American is, history X. Yeah. And then after, after they send uh, Sarah Coombs to running to her apartment where Beard has the Fight Club reference, talking about tomorrow is going to be the most beautiful day of Sarah Coombs's life. Like goes on the the monologue that Brad Pitt has in that movie, which definitely like the thumbprint of Brett Goldstein on those on those scenes. Uh, Caroline, did you have a, a favorite under the radar joke? I have a few. I actually thought, that, and some of it is just Brendan Hunt being brilliant. And so, like when he's at the fancy bar and he's like, "Do you want glasses for those?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm only laughing so hard because that literally happened this past weekend when I ordered like white claw and they're like, do you want a glass for that? I was like, no. <laughs> glass for a white claw? Of course I don't. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, and you know, the, he talked about the pants being ripped, making it easier for people to kiss his ass, um, <laughs> which I loved. And then, you know, pants lady doing the one exposed ass can take down the entire monarchy. He goes, how dare you speak of Prince Andrew that way? <laughs> I forgot about that. That was so good. But I watched references in this episode. I think my favorite. Well, he also has two really, really great interactions with May because she's he she does the whole he is talking to her about you know how Jane didn't say I love you back. And he says the thank you for helping me relive that after she's like, hmm. (laughs) But the best was when she was closing the bar and she says, just like my legs after a date with a guy that kept correcting me, we're closed. And one of the guys goes, you went on a date with Dale? And then the guy's like, I think you're fine, mate. It was two Two dates. dates. (laughs) Coffee counted. I'm sorry. I was just, I cannot. It's just, she is so, like, the timing on it was so perfect. And they're like, just that it was a guy that kept correcting me. I just could not. And then the the funniest jab with that is just the, the guy is there. And the other guy knows immediately who she was talking about. And he corrects her. <laughs> He's like, it was two days. <laughs> oh my goodness. So there were a few, like overall, yes, I agree it wasn't, but there were just some, like they slid them in and, it, and it's just the perfect amount of utilizing these. Cause it, it's more of the, 
not even peripheral because I know that Beard's a major character (laughs) clearly but letting him thrive and then giving these outside characters a chance to like (laughs) shine through a little bit too that killed me I will that's going to put that on the pillow (laughs) Alex what else worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet um let's see I just watched it before this episode so I feel like I should have a better grasp on it um I think so it was really easy to get caught up in kind of it's a weird episode and we don't fully know if it's really happening because he keeps imagining, you know, like different scenarios of people telling him like you're doing the wrong thing. And so I really loved how they put the scene with Ted and everyone else at the end to ground it. And the pants are obviously the proof, like, no, it happened. Like he wasn't just inside <laughs> his mind. Cause you think about it. I mean, this, they never would have done this and this would have been a terrible way to end it, but it's plausible for a TV show they could have just ended it with him waking up on his couch, right? Yeah. That's, that's such a trope. That's so what a TV show would do. And so I'm glad they didn't do that. It was like, it really happened. It was just also packed with all of the symbolism that you can kind of take or leave. And I don't know. I thought it was great. The ultimate thing for me though, the fact that they went with the acoustic version of the theme song. Oh, I know. It was huge. I can't we- <laughs> believe it took you 46 minutes to get to I that. Know, I, thought I, you were, gonna- I thought you were going to be on that right away. Well, I was going to say it at the beginning, but I'm like, we're not really on that track. The thing is, there have been some very heavy episodes so far. Next week's going to be a very heavy episode. They have not swayed from that theme. They have, except for like Christmas, it was still the same though. It was just claymation. But like, I thought it was the most beautiful thing. And it was so yeah. clear. This is, this is going to be not just a bottle episode, but it was just clear. It was like, we're taking you on a journey that is not what you expect. Also, this isn't about Ted. Like it's about beard. Sorry, I just hit my mic when I said that. Um, <laughs> so I many talk, hands. I talk with my hands. They're everywhere. But um, just that they were making it very clear. This is going to be about beard and this is going to be something different. And we just want you to trust us to take you on this journey and get you there safely. I loved it. And like with everything, we trust them. Caroline, what is what worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I think even though he's a coach, I think they showed well a lot of the same relatable post-loss um, dealing with stuff that fans go through. So like even just the quick, I think it was when they were playing the acoustic version of the intro song, um, when he was on public transportation and walking around, you're kind of like, it's the sports walk of shame. It's head to toe in the gear. You're surrounded by opposing fans. Like in your feelings and obviously he has more to deal with because you know he feels directly responsible as one of the coaches um but that entire um that experience kind of i found very relatable um and i also really thought it was beautifully shot so the scene where he stumbles into the place where he ripped his pants that had all the tvs like at the fancy club absolutely gorgeous imagery uh, the they club like, twin peaks vibes yes yeah very much um and again oh, it's, it's the, alone. yes um yeah it was absolutely be- again a different like this a song that we all know or recognize played you know different version um and then also like we said the club scene absolutely gorgeous the way that they shot the tunnel going into nelson road um so i thought that even with it being this quote weird bottle episode that it just it they did it so well with not just the content and the stuff they discussed and covered but the way that it was presented was just absolutely gorgeous the shots were beautiful 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the same, we, we already touched on like all the, the music, like the needle drops, the song they walk into bones and honey girl like you by yes. Edmund Collin is an absolute banger. <laughs> I wrote that down too. <laughs> I know that that song is from Charlie's angels. The, for the Charlie's angels movies, when, uh, they do the, the reveal of Sam Rockwell, I believe is the big bad. And it's like, Oh, Hey, Sam Rockwell is going to be in our lives for the next 20 years. <laughs> um, the I just have a lot of questions about the pants lady. Just an interesting mm. couple in ge- like couple in general, but like guy guy with the sequin pants, the original owner of the pants. How did he die? She's very confident in saying, "Oh, he died." Like he died. I've got all the questions about about them. They're going to be unanswered questions. I don't. I, I this show doesn't leave like the show always comes back to stuff. I don't think we. I'm not sure we see the pants lady again. I, I don't think we get an explanation. Um, but just just a lot of questions. And then I love as he is walking, he's walking home and he's like shivering or whatever on the big screen. They're the replays of him falling over the siding, like flipping over the siding and and the game. It is just just great, great stuff. Alex, is there anything in this episode that did not work for you? Um, no. I mean, I'm sure if I just dissected it to death, maybe. But again, like it's a bottle episode. So I think there's like a suspension there of your regular expectations and I hate, I'm just rambling, but here's a thing that I tell my writers and just friends who write anything. I, and especially like, I believe in my writers. And so I tell them all the time, I realize we're a sports website. I want you to write about whatever you care about, because I believe that people are invested in you as a writer. And even if you break away from what you normally do, I don't care if you're a columnist or if you cover NFL or whatever, write about something you're passionate about and it's going to be really good. And people are going to read it even if they don't care because they trust what you do. That's how I feel about this episode. So it's like even things that seemed weird on first watch, like you go back to it and you're like, they've built up enough trust. They couldn't have gotten away with this in the first season without us being like, that's weird. Like I would have liked it if it weren't for that episode. They have our trust now. I wonder if what, like how the actual travel throughout London would work. So this is where one of the British listeners helps me out. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like physically, and like this is a, the nitpickiest nitpick because I agree with Alex. Like it worked for me because I thought like all the things we've already discussed, but um, because also I'm like, how is he showing up? It, <laughs> but he's clearly made bad choices before. Where he's like, when did you get home? He goes, I didn't. Like whatever. All this. <laughs> Not that that's a bad choice, but you know what I mean. Like he's made nighttime decisions that have left him tired for work the next day. Um, but I, that's the only part where I was like, he got a lot in like, because even, you know, you think that, well, it all, you know, also what time are these games generally? Are they day games? Are they night games? So really again, nitpicky, but otherwise I agree. I think I had no idea about them adding the two episodes and both I, like, I, I mean, I'm trying to fight a lot of people. I was say I'll fight anyone who doesn't like the Christmas episode too. Like I was just, yeah. I get like, yeah, sure. It was July or whatever, whenever it came out, but you better Whatever. believe we that's going to be on repeat. Caroline and I have been on the record for a long time. We love Hallmark Christmas movies. Yes. We'll watch them any time of year. Yes. It can be Christmas anytime if you believe it in your heart. Yes. I mean, the it's Ted just, Lasso yeah. Christmas episode is going to be a staple, though, for the next like 40 years. Like, oh, it was. Oh, and so I thought it, both were just so that they worked really well. And I did not know that they were added in like that. So I, I guess maybe that says something about how it works. But um, yeah. yeah, I didn't have any, I don't, you know, again, after I got over the initial, like, where is everybody? Um, and I sometimes go back and forth on the, like, 
if you need a second watch, is it really that good thing? You know, sometimes where it's like, cause I went to see Shang-Chi and I really liked it the first time. I liked it even more the second time because you have an idea of the flow and the expectations and the environment that they're putting you in. Um, and I think that this, I felt the same way about watching this cause it's such a different episode, a different feeling um, that, it was a little shocking at first, I think, which is why it took me a second to kind of adjust and really be able to evaluate how I felt about it. Yeah. My only like nitpick that might not have worked is I feel like beard would be more famous or more notable. I feel like he would have been able to keep his way onto that bus when that snitch lady says he hasn't <laughs> tapped in, like at least like walk up to the bus driver and be like, you know who I am. Do you like this AFC Richmond pullover? It's yours. <laughs> keep me on this bus. Um, for best Ted moment, there's really only one Ted moment in this episode. He doesn't press Beard too hard about being late, being clearly hungover or tired, wearing weird pants. He's just like, eh, whatever. I think that's it's a solid friend moment. Yeah. There's not, not really a whole lot else with that. Um, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. I mean, Beard is the mainstay in this one. It's really, there's Baz, Jeremy, and Paul. Their their unit is a supporting character. And then Charlie Ross is Darren the hulking man who eats <laughs> cigarettes and glass for breakfast. Um, I, I mean, for me, it's the, the super fans. I yeah. don't know about y'all. Super fans. Maybe Thierry Henry. <laughs> yeah, Shut up, Thierry Henry. Solid, <laughs> solid Thierry Henry performance. Yeah. Very, very, very good. Um, Caroline, I'll kick it to you first with this. What is a, a question you want answered or have about the next episode with this one? There's not much in this one that could be addressed, like not a whole lot that leads into it. I don't know if we're really going to dive deep into to the things that Beard, I, Beard, the things that Beard tried to work out in this episode. I feel like he keeps things so close to the vest yeah. when he's around other people. I don't think we're going to see this get worked out. So it's kind of we're just on to the next shit with this next one. I kind of my question is, I guess, the same that carried over within what they've done so well from the go in this season is the, um, the tension and the underlying, like the way that the four coaches now, when you throw Roy in there, how they're going to, they each have their own thing. And honestly, Roy less than everyone else. He's kind of figured his out. He figured it out. He's like probably in the best headspace of the coaching staff. Um, but you know, how is they had that, <laughs> that moment, in the last episode where they all couldn't confess something. <laughs> which was wonderful um but I think that's for me the biggest question is is how because like you said it was a good friend moment not pressing it but also Ted I think I need you to press him on this one like the way that they left it after the game the way that like him coming in like that the issues that he's set with jane like at what point do we do i want to see a little bit more from ted when it comes to pressing beard on some of these personal issues quiet issues that he doesn't normally talk about so i think that's what i want yeah, to kind of see there might be a ted beard moment that's like a a conversation between the two of them like hey what are we doing here? yeah we've you know we've had this we've been here for two seasons now like what are you know, are, are we the best, are we the best guys for this? Cause beard above all, like beard wants to win, wants this to be a success. Um, so it would be, yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of conversation between yeah. those two. Um, Alex, next episode for you, I know you would, you know, you're, you had looked ahead, you, you knew what was coming. And I think now after the still and after the, the summary for next episode that we've seen, I think it's kind of apparent who is, 
what next episode is going to be about. So kind of what are you what are you thinking for for Thursday night? So it's called No Weddings at a Funeral. We see Rebecca at a funeral. I think it's her mom. I could be wrong, but I think it's her mom because they brought her into the season and then she just she's there and then she just leaves and the show doesn't leave anything unanswered, you know? There's no like she already like Rebecca indicated they have a strained relationship. She was getting ready to go have a very difficult conversation with her and she was already back with her dad again. So I think it's going to be her mom. The fact that the episode is titled No Weddings and a Funeral indicates that there's going to be some sort of breakup of some kind. And I feel like this growing Rebecca and Sam thing, and I'm on the record as saying I don't like this at all um, for ethical reasons, has nothing to do with their age. I feel like this might kind of set her back on a protecting herself path and like keep everyone away from me so I can, I don't have to be vulnerable. So I wonder if like, maybe there's going to be a rift there. I don't know, but I think it'll be very telling. I thought when I saw it, I thought Rupert that the funeral was Rupert. Yeah. There are too many, too many people wearing black for that one. That'd be (laughs) true. uh, But yeah, I think Alex, you might be on this. I don't know. Really good idea. I don't know. So the reason why I think it's her mom and I told Kyle this is a few weeks ago, and I always do this with shows I like, I go and look at the IMDb pages of the actors because a lot of times it'll show which episodes they're on. Yeah. Her, her mom is in this episode. Ah. So I feel like, you know, I guess it could be her dad. It could be anybody. And her mom was just there for her. It just seems like we've had a connection with her mom. We've brought her mom into the picture. We know there was some tension there. It just seems logical to me if they're going to remove someone close to her and we know. Yeah, that's fair. But I've been wrong pretty much every time I've had a theory. (laughs) Like, that's what's so fun about it. I come up with these theories and like, that makes so much sense. The writing and the storytelling. And then it's totally different. So don't listen to me. I love that you actively look to see who's in the episodes because I do the opposite with IMDb. I try and be super careful when I go look up a new show I'm watching. So I don't yeah. see if so-and-so is only in like six episodes or like, yeah. <laughs> because then I'm like, no, what happens? Are they going to go away? Yeah. That's, that's where you can like, with a show like Game of Thrones, that's where you can really fuck yourself. Yeah. You can be like, wait a minute. Mayor of what Easttown. Happened, what happened to this? <laughs> yeah. Mayor of, Mayor of Easttown. That, that would have been a big one too. Uh, you could screw yourself with IMDb, mm. but um. Y'all, this has been this has been wonderful. Um, I'm Caroline. I'm so happy that you were able to join us. Tell us again where where people can find Bet for the Win if they don't want to go to Google. What's the actual What's the actual address? <laughs> the, the physical address. Well, we don't have a physical space yet. No. Um, what's the PO box? Yeah. Snail mail. Yeah. So, like we said, you find us online. Bet for the Win. Just Google it. That's the easiest way. I'm on week two. I'm beginning a week two, so I don't. I have not memorized all of the things yet. Um, but for Twitter, uh, if you want Hallmark hot takes, Ted lasso all caps tweeting um a lot of virginia stuff so if you think brennan armstrong also should win the heisman um you can find me at cw (laughs) at cw (laughs) darney d-a-r-n-e-y hey listen he's graded out higher than our boy golden corral right now so i'm just want to say like let me thrive in my brennan his name is armstrong and he's a quarterback (laughs) it makes sense people Anyway, and I'm over here just hoping my college football team fires its coach. <laughs> uh, Alex, where can the folks find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Alex McDaniel, or you can follow for the win at for the win. So, 
And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we'll be back with another episode of Ted Lasso next Thursday. On Monday, we are covering Almost Famous, as voted on by the patrons, me and Brian Gill, talking about what is absolutely a perfect movie. Uh, if you want to vote on a movie for next month, go to patreon.com slash sports, and we'll catch you in a few days. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.